Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. I'm your host, Brian Nichols, Associate Editor at The Libertarian Republic. The Brian Nichols Show is the latest and greatest podcast on the We Are Libertarians Network. If it's your first time joining The Brian Nichols Show, well, welcome. We're the fastest-growing liberty podcast reaching all those across the political spectrum. As host, my goal is to present the news you care about in an objective manner with the main goals to help educate, enlighten, and inform. As always, you can follow me over on Twitter and on Facebook at Liberty, and please feel free to subscribe to the Patreon at Liberty to help us keep on producing this content you enjoy. Have questions or comments? Email me at Show at gmail.com. Also, please feel free to share today's podcast with your family and friends to help promote the message of liberty. And finally, please take a moment to rate us and review us over on iTunes. Also, if you're interested in a Don't Hurt People, Don't Take People Stuff Over sticker, send me an email at Show at gmail.com for more details. And today, I am joined by Keith Rubino. Keith is the Democratic Party candidate for the 118th Assembly District up in my home neck of the woods in northern New York State. He has a degree in communications from SUNY Oswego and has been employed by the ARC in Herkimer, upstate cerebral palsy, and is currently uh, in the central New York DSO to care for people with special disabilities. Keith, welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. Well, Brian Nichols Show and everybody listening into the Brian Nichols Show, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And, and Keith, I'm so glad because you are the first Democratic Party candidate I've actually had on my show. So I think this is a really great opportunity for us to have, I think, a very interesting conversation and to really try to hear some different perspectives and some different ideas for solutions for a lot of the, the very real problems that not only is the northern New York area facing, uh, but New York State as a whole and then really the nation as a whole. So uh, with that being said, to kind of give some preface to this conversation, I had previously interviewed uh, not only Philip Page, he's running, you know, he was running at the time uh, for the Republican primary in the uh, the New York 118th, who he has actually since uh, dropped out of the race and endorsed <coughs> one of his primary opponents. Um, but uh, I also interviewed, uh, now he's the, I think, one of five candidates running for New York State governor in uh, Larry Sharp, who's running on the Libertarian Party line. Um, so me being from upstate New York, I definitely have some vested interest in, in focusing on New York State politics. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity to say, hey, you know what? Let's get the flip side of the coin. Let's get somebody on my show from upstate New York so we can really talk about these issues that you know we're, we're seeing across the, the nation. But then I, I feel a little selfish because I'm, I'm actually personalizing it to where I'm from. Um, so to start off, I, I always find it interesting to learn how my guests got involved into to politics. And obviously, you, know, you started out work uh, with your degree in, in SUNY Oswego for communications, and uh, you're currently working in the the, the healthcare slash special disabilities field, which I myself I actually worked in for about five years uh, previously. So very familiar with the industry. But uh, with that being said, Keith, if you could just introduce myself or yourself to my audience, and then kind of give us your your step into to the political world up in uh, Northern New York as a Democratic candidate. Sure. Uh, can, can you hear me, by the way? Yes, sir. Okay. It said uh, poor network connection. It kind of cut out there. But yeah, no. So um, my name's uh, Keith Urbino. And yeah, as you said, uh, I work for people with disabilities. I've done it for about 10 years. Um, I wasn't very into politics back in the day. Uh, it was 2016. Uh, actually end of 2015 and I was, I was just like everybody else, you know, I was kind of like, I followed the presidential races a little bit here and there. I was actually somebody who kept Googling every other day to see if Hillary Clinton was going to run for president. And then 
eventually I was like, I fell, I, I fell, uh, I fell, I fell victim to the wake up call where you eventually realize there's a lot more out there than <laughs> just the presidential races. And I, but I found that out through Bernie Sanders. Now I know, um, I know Bernie Sanders might not be a libertarian favorite, but for me, the reason why I loved Bernie was the humanitarian issues he talked about. And libertarians uh, have a very level-headed perspective on a lot of different things. Actually, Philip and I are pretty good friends. Um, I met Philip before I decided to run for the assembly. I was going to run for mayor, and I sat down with Philip and Herkimer, and we had breakfast, and we just talked about his race, and we talked about the 118th district, mm -hmm. and then we talked about my run for mayor. But, you know... Um, I've always prided people on having, you know, an independent view of things. And for me, um, Bernie Sanders was an independent for sure. I mean, he talked about a lot of things. He he talked about socialism, but he he talked about democratic socialism. He talked about socialism in the way that most people don't really get it explained to. You know, I, when I listen to Fox News, I hear people pressing the Venezuela button. You know, they're like, look at Venezuela. And it's like, you know, we're not talking about that kind of socialism. We're talking about the socialism like you know, the fire departments, the, the police departments, the people that you use your taxes, that you pay taxes to, and then those people provide services to you for free. You know, the Department of Public Works is socialism. You know, they, they you pay your taxes and people from the DPW come out and plow your roads, salt your roads, and, you know, make sure that everything's going good for you. So, you know, I realized that socialism wasn't such a, a bad term when you thought about it actually being used for the greater good. So that's what I fell in love with. Now, the problem with New York State is that New York State doesn't apply the taxes in the way that it needs to. We are a tremendous wasteful state. We have a lot of things in the budget that need to be looked at on a very, very deep level so that we can make sure that people's taxes are going to fund programs in New York State that actually help the middle class, the working class. And that's what really kind of sold me about Bernie Sanders and woke me up to politics in the first place. I, uh, I realized that, um, you know, the, the rich people in this country and obviously even in New York state have a tremendous advantage over the working class person. And so I thought to myself, you know what? Um, I want to run and bring some regular representation to the 118th as a middle class worker. And, you know, have people have this chance, this choice that they haven't had in 20 years. You know, Mark Butler was in office for 20 years. And, you know, that's a long time, a long time. Philip, Philip made the joke on your interview show last uh, last time that he was almost not out of the womb at that time. Like, <laughs> so to me, it's a chance for people to to have a new choice, a fresh, young face with new ideas, new perspective. And so. Yeah, I became involved in the presidential primaries. I ran for county legislator in my area. I didn't end up winning, but I took 43% of the vote. I had my opponent call me up on election night, and after he had won, he said, I'll tell you what, you made me work my butt off. <laughs> he goes, I was out every night. I mean, and Pete, you know, one of, uh, one of the people that knows him very well was telling me, he goes, yeah, the, he, he literally came to my house every night, and he was just complaining about how, how hard he had to work. And I'm like, well, that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> that's the idea, so, yeah. But, but, you know, honestly, people haven't been exposed to that in a while. You know, there's a lot of incumbent seats around the country where people are just expect to get reelected. So I ran for this open seat race because I thought it is not fair that Republicans can just run for office in this area and just be expected to win. Because that's the that's the consensus 
consensus. That's why Democrats don't run for this seat. And the the last the last Democrat that ran was in 2012. It was Joseph Cialelli. And, you know, I, t- I sat down and talked to him and he said it was an extremely brutal campaign for him. It was it was hard. He had a, he had a very hard time running that campaign because of how Republican the district is. But I am focused on real issues that I think hit the entire spectrum. Mm-hmm. Honestly, right. Republican, Democrat, independent, libertarian, uh, just human issues that we need to focus on in the assembly that aren't being talked about. So that is why I'm here and that is why I'm running. All right. Great intro there, t- because I think so. <laughs> I'll, I'll preface this this little blurb here saying I know probably right now, based on my audience, about 95 percent are screaming at their their podcast app because they hear the word democratic socialism. And that's a really big red flag. Um, oh, yeah. And I think and just to kind of give you some perspective and you're very well versed in, in political thought. So I, I just I, I don't want to you know preach to the choir in this. But the, the idea of democratic socialism, why many libertarians are so against the idea is because just because a group of people vote to take somebody else's property away, be it in, in terms of physical property or their 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 livelihood their income that doesn't make it moral there's no like moral justification behind it now i understand the the premise that you're you're making saying well the idea for democratic socialism is to help for the greater good so you mentioned the fire departments and the police departments and you know the, the department of, of of you know public works and then you, you mentioned new york state and you said the problem is that basically more or less new york state just doesn't do it right they're not allocating the resources properly and I think 100%. Yeah, and I, well, then I, I I agree with you. The I think where a lot of libertarians and even some conservatives and, and I dare say even some Republicans have some issue. The other Republicans not as much because usually Republicans are as pro big government as long as it's, it's their big government. But um, with libertarians especially, it's that the the state itself is built to be inefficient. So as you go from your small localities to state government and then from state government to the the behemoth that is the federal government, things get more and more inefficient just because of the the, the scope and size of the quote unquote greater good projects that are supposed I can't, to be I can't agree with you more on that. And that and this is where I think we really can hit common ground with your listeners. And like I, I hope they didn't turn off the podcast already because what I'm about <laughs> to say to you I think you're I think you're going to agree with I think that the problem is we do not have enough regular representation no matter no matter what my political beliefs are the problem in this country and in the state is that the same kind of people are elected day in and day out I mean they're they're people people that are that are very well off that haven't that don't know what it's like to work uh, full time Uh, people people that just have a completely different perspective of the world around them. And then you can see it in Congress. I mean, these people are so detached from the regular day-to-day workings of everyday life. I mean, you know, they own multiple homes. They they have an expensive lawyer that they can hire to kind of write off all their taxes. And, and they get all these perks and benefits. And not one of them standing up and saying, why do we need all these benefits? Why are we getting lifetime healthcare when people are literally dying because they don't have healthcare, yet we're pay- well, like, we're funded by taxpayers giving us life insurance, like health health insurance. So, I mean, quite honestly, I think if people like myself, Philip, and other people that are young who know what it's like to be a member of the working class, who know what it's like to be a regular person, if we get elected, I think there will be a change and a shift in the government. 
I think the waste is directly uh, correlated to the current people that serve on the, the local municipalities, the state municipalities, and the federal municipalities. I hear it all the time. We need young blood. We need young blood. And so I think that's the solution. We just need to get all these all these people out of office and replace them with young people who have an agenda and really want to run and be elected officials to do just that, to represent, mm -hmm. to lead. So I, I was going to say one thing to, to make sure that you know we're all on the same page, not only just you and I, but also the audience across the political spectrum who are listening, is that uh, one of the concepts and tenets of libertarianism is the idea uh, of, of voluntarism, so that you're able to... So let, let's say, for example, in a, a local community, um, or even you know, in, in your example, you're running for, for state office, uh, and then also at the federal level, where you, you put in what you are going to receive. So if you decide not to put in, then you would not expect the public goods to, to then be returned onto you. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think if you were to look at the ideas of democratic socialism, it's not inherently against the concepts of voluntarism, because if you get a group of people who voluntarily enter into that society saying, all right, we are going to have a community, let's say it's in Herkimer County up where in your neck of the woods. Um, and we decide as our collective identity, as people in Herkimer County, we are going to enter voluntarily into a democratic uh, socialism society. And, you know, it's going to be, if you want to live in this little niche of Herkimer County, you have to, you know, you'd have to be into democratic socialism, but you'd, ha you'd have the chance to do so voluntarily or, or not partake. So I think in, you know, it, it's an old adage, you know, basically uh, communism and socialism could exist in a libertarian society so long as they do it themselves and it's all voluntarily to enter into. So it's the same idea. Um, so I, I think inherently the ideas that you're promoting in, in, in terms of the, the almost like a federalist type of mentality where the, the local smaller communities are able to to make their own decisions and able to voluntarily enter into these conversations and, and decisions, it actually kind of coincides with libertarianism. But I think then the issue comes, well, what about the person who doesn't want to to spend, you know, uh, X amount of dollars in their paycheck towards, you name it, whether it's it's wasteful government spending, wasteful wars, in, in, and obviously being a state representative, you wouldn't have to worry about decision-making for wars, um, no, but... <laughs> but 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 still, I mean, the the, I, the premise still remains. You know, should you as a, as a voter be having your tax dollars go to pay for, um, you know, politician X Y Z? I mean, heck, Sheldon Silver, who was one of the longest sitting Democratic representatives in New York State uh, history, um, he was one of, if not the most corrupt people in politics, not only in the United, in New York State, but in the entire United States. And we we as New York uh, State taxpayers were funding his his salary his pension his his benefits and i i personally think that that's you know immoral the fact that just because he's elected i'm quote unquote part of this community that i have to pay this guy's salary even though he is a corrupt sob which yeah and and let's yeah, let's play the uh let's play the um the devil's advocate here and make sure that we we let people know that there is there is corruption on both sides sheldon silver absolutely absolutely corrupt but there, there was that really sad slash funny slash ultimately sad story about a Republican congressman in one of the southern states who literally charged his – like used his campaign funds, like money and, and not Chris even his Coons, campaign right? funds. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. That name rings a bell. Like, I don't know the name off the top of my head, but mm -hmm. he charged like $3,000 to In-N-Out Burger, paid for his children's like education, went on family vacations. I mean, you know – that I, to to me, that's just as outrageous, and, oh, 100%. and that's the problem. You know, both 
both parties have a tendency to blame the other as being corrupt. But the problem is it's just the people in that party. Like the, that's why I keep saying, you know, it's so important to elect people who are young and, and, and really have no vested interest in trying to gain wealth. Or if they do, you know, honestly, I, I haven't I haven't met too many young people who are interested in politics because they want to get like super rich, you know, most <laughs> Because clearly that's not it. You you get elected, you get paid like a base pay, and then you you get a couple perks here and there. But then you get all of the anger, all of the frustration, and that's the thing that we just talked about too: the voluntarism, the the voluntary uh, participation of community right. communities. But too often communities um, are not uh, gathered together. And I was mention I was talking about this earlier today with somebody. If communities banded together, and communities you know did as much as they could to help the surrounding communities, government wouldn't be as needed. But th that's the problem with the whole concept that I have of, you know, uh, less government is the people are not engaged enough to do that. You know, Brian, like that to well, me, yep. uh -huh. that's that's why government is needed right now. And that's why I, I absolutely am in favor of less government at some point in the future if society and, and, and people progress to where we care more about our communities. But right now there are so many people that don't care about politics. They don't even vote. So, I mean, I, I, I do agree with the concept of, of, of certain parts of liber libertarianism where it's like, you know, the government shouldn't be, you know, taking control of everything. But um, I do believe that until such a time where that is possible, uh, right now our best chance is to get people in office and help the government represent people and not waste money of the taxpayers so one thing i'm it's kind of a pseudo challenge but not not necessarily a challenge but one thing to to kind of point out is you mentioned a lot of people don't get actively involved in the political process and i, I agree with you 100 percent. i think that's a very real issue um that you know we're, we're currently facing is the apathy that exists in the voting base not only on, on yes. local and and state uh, elections but also federally um mm -hmm. but then i think if, if we're going to look in terms of economics, um, people are voting and they're voting with their dollars and they're voting with their feet. So New York state is currently losing uh, plus or minus about a hundred thousand people per year who are moving out of New York state. I, I, myself, I'm raising my hand, you know, very, very high here in my studio saying, you know, I was one of those people who I moved out of New York state because, um, you know, Cato just released their, their freedom index for, for state rankings. And, and New York state is literally the last state in terms of, of the freedom index. And it's, it's being witnessed not only people who are leaving the state, but we're seeing a decrease in the ability for people to afford living in the state because of the high, not only pension costs, but also the, the rising healthcare costs, um, the, the vision for universal, uh, education, both at, um, you know, a, a high school level, all the way up to collegiate levels. Um, we're seeing a crackdown on, uh, the, the gun rights and second amendment rights for New York state residents. So we're seeing people voting, but they're voting with their feet. So, I mean, to the very real issues that New York State is currently facing, and, and obviously it's hemorrhaging, um, it's hemorrhaging residents, which is leading to uh, even more, you know, mountains of, of issues coming down the road because all of a sudden you're going to have quite literally billions of dollars in unfunded liabilities, and the money is just not going to be there. Um, you know, to that mountain of issues. I mean, can you kind of give me? your vision, your your 10-year plan of, number one, how to stop people from leaving New York State, and then number two, how to address some of these very real issues, be it the, the gun rights issue, be it the unfunded liabilities issue, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that you would be able to tackle 
as we get closer to, let's say, 2028? Uh, sure. So there's two groups of population that leave New York State. It is the young people and it is the older people. The older people tell me constantly they move to places where their where their where their retirement money is not going to be taxed, where their their prop they can buy property and it's not yearly taxed like in New York State. And then you got young people who are leaving because they accrue mountains of student loan debt and then they have no jobs in this area that can pay a decent living wage for them to pay back their student loans, which is why my concept of universal education, um, you know, it, it it's important. Because it's it, it prevents that from even becoming a thing where people are leaving the state. Um, unfortunately, though, Excelsior Scholarship. Go ahead. Challenge you really quick. So uh, that's I do have an issue with that. So sure. if you're saying so, I agree with, at the premise saying well they wouldn't leave the, the young people wouldn't leave the state because then they wouldn't have the accrued debt that's associated with with college tuition. Okay, I accept that. Let's accept that premise for the sake of the argument here. But then. Okay. The other part of it is the older people who are leaving the state in in in, in you know quite literally flocks of, of people you no know, literally flying down to Florida, and you mentioned and I think you hit the nail on the head because they're looking for states where they're not going to be so heavily taxed. Now the reality yeah, looking is looking for the most bang for their retirement buck. Right, yeah. and, and the reality is that universal education, it's not free. I mean, there there has to be a group of people who are footing that bill. So. If it's the older group of people who have the most accumulated wealth, who are leaving the state in droves, that are then bringing their 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 wealth with them, wouldn't it stand a reason that that's just going to exasperate the issue? Because now you're just having one more unfunded liability, being that of a massive tab to universal education that's now not being covered. So you're having young, uh, debt-free people who are graduating college based on this universal education who are going to a workforce for jobs that aren't existing because there's nobody who's there number one with the wealth to to maintain those jobs and and with that to have these jobs but then also it's going to break down because there's no money supply there's no revenue for the universal education in the first place well and that's that's the problem too you know we don't have revenue options and one of the reasons why i'm running is because my opponents you know uh mr smolin and mr vincent they keep coming up with, you know, no solutions on how we're going to raise revenue. They say we need jobs. Yep, I say that too. I then say, well, I've got some plans for helping, you know, bring some jobs into this area. And part of it is through using marijuana revenue by legalizing marijuana on a recreational and medicinal use. And then obviously taxing that for New York State to fix some of the issues in the area and in this district to lead to jobs, aka infrastructure and education. But wouldn't and it stand I a reason just to cut spending? I mean, if we're having, a, it's, I don't think we're having spending? a revenue. Yeah, we're not having a revenue oh, issue. Absolutely. I mean, we're having a spending absolutely. issue. Well, yeah, and, and, and honestly, working for the state of New York, I see waste all the time in our in our in our human services sector. I mean, you know, there's there is a lot of money being wasted in terms of, of, of groceries that we have to buy, you know, because we have houses that, that, you know, take take on, you know, 13 people at a time. And there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of houses throughout New York State. So the example I give to people is a house that I used to work at. Um, and this was in the private sector. Um, but even so, I mean, this is, this, is, this is at other houses too. We buy coffee creamers for the individuals with disabilities that enjoy drinking coffee. It, it makes them happy. They love coffee. 
So we will buy 20 coffee creamers when we really don't need that much. Um, we don't need 20 coffee creamers. We buy them because staff likes to drink coffee too. Now, this is the problem. 20 coffee creamers purchased every week, you know, that's about $80. Multiply that by like three or 400 houses, you know, doing that for the, the state. And that's, that's just one example of how much money is used for one specific purchase. And if you think about it on a grander scale, I mean, I can't even, I can't even begin to tell you uh, how much I can multiply that by in terms of waste throughout the entire state Agreed. of New York 100% in agree. every, in every sector, right. every sector, not just the human services sector. So, I mean, you are absolutely right that we have a spending problem, but so but that's why we have to, uh, go ahead. That's go, why sorry. we have to, uh, <laughs> that, no, it's okay. It's no worries. Um, this is why, you know, if we generate revenue, that's all fine and dandy, but we need someone who's going to look into those fields. And as a regular person who worked at the very bottom level and has seen waste on a tremendous scale, I will be an asset in terms of trying to figure out a way to cut budgets and cut things in different areas of New York State's budget, along with other people that are working that, that are working to get elected to the New York State Assembly that are just like me, you know, regular people. Mm -hmm. I think one of the, the areas I, I agree with you there, but I, I would say one of the areas that's kind of um, it's out, I don't say it's outside the purview of the, the assembly, but you have a lot of these, these bureaucracies within um, not only New York state government, but pretty much government as a whole, you have these, I various... bet you it, I bet you it exists in the assembly too. I've oh, heard yeah, it. Does. No, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm saying like, so for example, think in, in New York state, let's say for example, um, and you just gave the, the example of, of the, the health sector, but let's say, you know, for example, the DEC, which is basically the, the New York state version of the EPA, um, the DEC yep. within their budgets, it's built in to make the coffee. Like, let's use the example you gave the coffee creamer, let's say. It's built in the budgets to maintain that spending, and then it's it's carried through year after year, and mm -hmm. it's not looked at because it's it's at the end of the day because honestly, nobody says hey what's up with that but like partly, nobody's but, looking well, for that. But beyond that, I mean, let's just say individuals' jobs, right? And, and this is where it gets hard because you're talking about real people's jobs. Is saying okay, yes. well, if you have a uh, let's say a fact checker for the DEC, and that fact checker is is fact checking another fact checker right it, it seems kind of redundant it's like okay well why do we have two people doing basically the same job i mean i'm not sure if you're familiar with the movie office space but it's like when they have the the old guy and they're you know, well what would you say you do here that's pretty much what we have just at a absolutely horrifying scale in not only new york state government but governments all across the u.s because it's built into the system to have this bureaucracy that's going to prevent areas of um, areas of checks and balances where there really should be checks and balances, and I think that's a real big, you know, red flag that a lot of people just kind of gloss over. So, could you kind of no. address how you would approach that, or what what the vision for New York State would be for that? Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, it's it's it, it's making those hard decisions, working with groups of people within the assembly that also share those beliefs, because there are people, you know, Anthony. Anthony Brindisi is running for Congress uh, in the 22nd Congressional District, but he's a current assemblyman, and and he has a very he has a very similar view to the way things are in terms of New York State's budget and how wasteful things are. And you know, one of the things that I'm looking to do is find those common sense people, via Republicans 
or Democrats and try to form a coalition to work together. Because honestly, this is the problem too, right? Right, Brian? So, so unfortunately, people are like, you know, the people are like, you got to just do everything yourself. And that's the problem I have. Patrick Vincent and Robert Smolin both. They both they both act like they are going to get elected and snap their fingers and make some change. And you can't do that. And you can't. Not a, not, when something is so much bigger than yourself, you are insulting the voters, insulting yourself and insulting so much to think that you are going to be able to do it alone. No one can do anything alone if it's going to change things on a grand scale. So for me, I tell people straight up, if elected, I will work with whoever I can. To, to tackle a huge issue as a coalition, as a, as a group of people who are interested in knowing that they alone cannot do anything. That we, I will work with my communities. I will, I will ask people in different sectors of New York State, what are the biggest wasteful things that are happening? And then bring those findings back. I'm basically, Brian, I'm prepared to work extremely long hours. I currently, I work overnight shifts for, for the DSO. I work 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. and then I get out and I have to go to meetings, and then I get out and I go to knock on doors and I attend events. Like tomorrow, I'm going to Gloversville for the Senior Center, and I'm going to be speaking to senior citizens there. But I, I literally get about two to three hours of sleep, and I'm not even trying to, to whine about it. I'm just saying <laughs> I am doing this because I know it needs to be done. And when elected, I will no longer be working overnights. I will be working full-time as a representative, and I have no problem sitting in my office until one or two in the morning and getting five hours of sleep instead of three. Man, sounds glorious. Five <laughs> hours of sleep sounds glorious. <laughs> but uh, I, I have no problem staying up late and solving problems and working with whoever I can to help solve those problems. And that's one of the reasons why I think I'm going to be the best candidate for this district, because I know that it takes more than just me. And I know that I don't have all the answers. I have some pretty solid ideologies in terms of how to make society better. I know that we disagree in terms of Obviously, uh, you know, spend, spend, spend. But I also want to let you and the viewers know my whole platform doesn't revolve around spend, spend, spend. It, it revolves around trying to make people's lives easier so that they can become more productive in society. They can get more involved and we can build that community we need to get rid of the big government. Unfortunately, we can't do that right now. And government isn't operating for the people. And that's the reason why I thought government existed in the first place. That's why. I believe in certain programs that benefit the middle class. And if you don't mind, I'd like to use an analogy for you in terms of how I feel about social safety nets. <laughs> okay, rock and roll. All right, well, so you think about it. Basically, someone falls into a hole. You know, they're walking along and all of a sudden there's a hole there and they fall in there. Like, oh, geez, I fell into a hole. I can't get out. Like, they try, they try. They, it's like, it's kind of like Homeward Bound, right? Where uh, the shadow falls into the pit and... And then what he tries to get out of the hole and movie, he just can't yes. keep sliding back down. Scarred oh, my, gosh, scarred my childhood. <laughs> yeah, but he, but he, but he makes it out. And you know they don't show how he made it out. But I would think that somebody maybe threw a a rope down there, or, or obviously whatever, um, to help a dog get out of a pit. But the the concept is we throw a rope into the hole where people have fallen, and that's our social safety net. Those are our programs that help people get out. Now the problem is there are certain people that won't take that rope. They're like, no, 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 I'm fine down here. There's a TV and you know a free phone and you know all these different things that people are giving me, and I'm I'm good in this hole. But there's a lot of people who are embarrassed to be in that hole. They're like, I didn't see it. I didn't know that this was what it was like. I don't like being down here, and they want to get out, so they climb the rope. So social safety nets for me and you know government exists to help people 
get out of an unfortunate situation. I mean, you and I, we were born into a pretty decent life. Um, you know, I have had my hardships. I'm sure you've had your hardships. Every single person in our country and in the state and around the world has been dealt a different hand. We were blessed to be able to get the hand that we got to become semi-successful. But some people, you know, like the person who grew up with a mother and father and the the father left and went to jail or the, you know, the mother became an alcoholic and, you know, got divorced. Like these are the people that get lost in our system. And I have no, that's, that's the difference between um, my thought process on helping people. Like I really do want to help people, Brian. I want to help people oh, yeah. who didn't get a decent hand. You know, I don't want to see waste and I will do everything I can to stop waste, but I really want to give people the opportunity to get out of that hole. And, and that's, that's the only reason I could justify spending money. And that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why I want healthcare, you know, like universal healthcare in New York state. I know it's expensive, but the amount of money that we could save in New York state, uh, at the end of the day, um, even if, even if it costs us a lot to get it going, it will save us at least a couple billion every year as to what we currently pay for our system. And the concept remains the same. We get people out of a hole. The hole can represent anything. It can represent, you know, poverty, it can represent healthcare, it can represent, you know, an entire array of issues. But for me, it's just, I want to help people get out of that hole so that they can then contribute economically to our state and then make things better for everyone. So I, I don't think, so I don't think there's any disagreement in terms of wanting to help people. I, I think you're going to find right. actually a lot of Libertarians, and I would dare say even, again, even some conservatives and Republicans agree very much so on the idea of, of being there to help other people. I think the argument comes down to what's the best avenue to, to oh, absolutely. help people. And I think you've been trying find... to figure it out for centuries, I think. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> I mean, it, I think we can kind of agree, though, and, and you've you've already kind of addressed that New York State is not spending money wisely. And I think that just is inherently true no. anytime you have – a, an organization, or not, not an organization, just an entity in general that yep. creates fail-safes to protect itself versus trying yep. to actually help people. So there's no real free market repercussion. There's no consequence to a monopolized, you know, a monopolized organization like a government versus in the free market. Right. There's there is a response, and like I think that's it, it's a fundamental disagreement in terms of philosophy. It's I I look at things, and I know a lot of libertarians look at things, saying. If, if the free market is there to incentivize people to do charitable contributions, to in fact help people, and then with that, the, the charities have to be held accountable in terms of how they're giving out their money. Are they giving out too much money to people who are working for the charity versus actually giving to people in need? And yeah, if so, absolutely. then, then Admin give Administrative costs versus actual charity cost of what they do to help the people. For sure. There's, right. there's so many organizations out there that are charities that, that have top dollar administrative costs. And that's that's something that absolutely needs to but conversely, be addressed. But conversely, the, the government there is no check or balance to that besides the people in the system. There is no, I can't say, you know what, Keith, you know what? I'm not going to give my, uh, whatever percentage of my, my tax dollars to the government this year because they mismanaged that and how they were helping the poor people this year. I can't do that because what's going right. to happen is I'm going to have somebody knock on my door and they're going to say, Hey, Brian Nichols, uh, Mr. Taxpayer, you didn't pay your taxes for this, this, and this. So either you're going to give me your money now, or I'm going to lead you to jail at the threat of shooting you with a gun. And I think that right there, that's the fundamental issue is what's the, the moral way of trying to solve these issues. 
I, from a moral standpoint, I, I don't agree that government is the best arbitrator of morality because at the end of the day, government's entire means of actually accomplishing anything is through the threat of force. Whereas charities, I, again, I, without trying to be a dead horse, I get the chance to, to use my dollars to pick and choose what's the best charity. Um, yes, and you hold them accountable. Exactly. And I think yeah, that's I, the fundamental disagreement from just a ph philosophical or moral standpoint is that I just don't look at government as the, the, the good guy. I look as a, a, it's the guy that's going to put me in jail or shoot me if I don't give them my lunch money because Brian, I don't it have goes a back to it goes back to apathy. It go, it goes back to apathy. I mean, government should have a checks and balances system and it does, but the problem is we don't have enough people participating in the process to hold these people so accountable. So how do you how do you force you people know, to do people that? That's the thing. Well, that, I know, but that, that's the thing. Like, like everybody should. Like, it's so frustrating, Brian, because you know everybody should be involved in government because their tax dollars are literally being. And that's why it kills me when people say, "Ah, oh, I don't, I don't get involved in politics." And I'm like, "But you're my, You literally should be because this is your money. Like, when you get upset about anything happening, like you have a right to be because it's your money. And that well, ties back to the charity thing, Brian. Yeah. Let me you, really quick. Let me just every charity is funded. I was gonna say one thing, and I, oh. I agree with you. I think if we can. So my whole idea for the show is to find common ground. And I think one of the best ways to make people not be apathetic, and this is just my my vision, because I don't think people yeah. realize how taxes work. I think they, they literally believe that every single month the government just, you know, a little bit's taken out and it's gone. And that's all it is. I yeah, think every I honestly, 15th, transparency. Every April 15th, everybody should be required. If we're going to have a system where people are paying taxes, which I don't agree with, but let's say we we maintain the system we have instead of a little bit being taken out every single month i say or every paycheck at april 15th my birthday you have to go ahead and you have to write a physical check with the exact dollar amount for the taxes you owe to the new york state government and and you can look at that number with all the zeros after it that's going from your money directly to the government that is all in one lump, lump sum and then you have to to rationalize What's happening right now that your money is actually being taken away from you and you don't have a choice. It's going out no matter whether you like it or not. I think Brian, that would be you know a what great I, step to get people actually to care. <laughs> I do. I do agree. And I'll tell you what, Brian, like as a freshman legislator, I, I promise you that one of the one of the one of the biggest issues that I want to issue, one of the pieces of legislation I will push forth with my team, if elected, is a transparency law where literally New York State will release a documented, in-depth, and simple to read, like something that's simple for everyone to read and say, this is where your tax dollars are going, because that's what we need to do. We need to create a community, and, and even through outrage, if, if people see that these tax dollars they're spending are not going towards programs that can benefit society, and they're paying administrative costs for departments that are not doing their job, or departments that are no longer necessarily needed in New York State, but nobody's really... I, honestly, I can't begin to tell you how many different sectors in New York State where a job literally exists because nobody's like, hey, why why does this job exist? And, and people... and But that's when you get into the morality of, well, somebody's going to lose their job now because of you. Like, like actually, we had that happen in a, in a, in a local election. Um, somebody, somebody literally wasn't, like, you know, doing their job. And literally, we said they're not doing their job. They're like we need to, they need to, they need to go. And they're like, but they they've been here for ten years, and you know why would we do that? And it's like because it's it's literally county taxpayer dollars paying this person's salary.
I'm not going to get into the logistics of who it was or what the position was, but hmm. that's the problem. You know, it, there is a morality issue there. There is a morality issue that people are like, well, we want to see waste and we want to see things, you know, solved, but we don't want to eliminate people's jobs because that's people's <laughs> livelihood. So well, it's and a catch-22. Well, and catch I say, that's the thing is that I think I, – and maybe we can agree here is that that's, in my view, the fundamental issue with government is that there is no – there's no free market consequence because if it was in the free market and you see somebody not doing their job, if you see somebody like, let's say, for example, you have a sales guy, let's just say, and they're not hitting their quota every single month. And they're, you know, they're constantly hitting, you know, last place in, in sales rankings from a standpoint of a business owner, you cut that person. You don't, you can't, you can't have the emotional aspect because at the end of the day, if they're not helping your company succeed, then they're, they're hurting your company. You're, you're right. But it's that's not charity. That's 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 why you know like people have to look at the person that's in their office at a rep as sorry i had a, a hiccup there like that we do have that system in place though we have people that go to the polling booth and they vote and they say listen this person's not doing their job i don't like this person anymore the problem is brian we don't have enough regular people running for office that care about our country the way you and I do. I mean, like, honestly, mm. you should run for office too, Brian. <laughs> you should run. <laughs> run. You should run. You know, take 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 some time off of the podcast and announce a run next year for something to help. <laughs> like I, that my goal is to create a ripple effect. I want to get elected. Prove to people that young people can and will get elected if they work hard enough and they have enough of a, a, a solid caring for the district. That's what I ha that's what I have, and my goal is to inspire other younger people to run and do the same thing and it's going to be a long process brian you're, you're you're right it's a behemoth the problem is new york state is a machine the government new york state is a machine and there is so much waste and the only way to fix it is to slowly weed out the people who have helped make this a thing you know people that have sat in office and collected the benefits they they listen to the minority or the majority leader and they just vote yes or no they go home they do the bare minimum but they don't get challenged because they have the power. They have enough name recognition to where people just go in and vote for that person no matter what. And sometimes you have upsets. Sometimes you do. But the problem lies and continues to go back to voter participation. We have the worst voter turnout ever. This country has the worst voter turnout ever. The reason why we don't have a checks and balances system is because ours is broken because not enough people are getting out there to get these people out. Now, I agree with you. We do have other ways to fix that. We we people are people are speaking with their with their feet or you know they're 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 vocally talking about some of the things that are being wasted, but these people also are the people that are writing Facebook statuses about how terrible things are and then they don't go to the polls and vote. So, I mean, <laughs> I just want to see I want to see people inspired enough to get out and vote in mass droves. If New York state honestly, I don't, I don't know what our I don't know what our turnout percentages completely but if new york state could increase their voter turnout to even just 55 or 60 percent this new york state new york state would change for the better no matter what like it doesn't it, like the more the majority of people in a state vote the better chance they have at having a better government because the government is of the people by the people for the people and unfortunately there is not enough people in government right now that's just <laughs> people that are kind of you know contributing to the b and making government the way it is. And I, I do think that that's something that you and I can agree on. You know, even, even with some of my liberal agenda, like I just, I do want to see New York State, um, I, I do want to see the waste in New York State cut. I just, uh, 
Um, I just don't know how we're going to get there until we start getting some regular people in office and we get that transparency and the, the dedication to actually trying to make New York State a better place for all of us, not just for our own hidden personal agendas. I'm going to get you to be a libertarian sooner or later, Keith. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get you there one day. Um, but I, I know you have faith in me. I know you, I, this has been a very good conversation. I definitely I definitely do hold – honestly, I, I do hold some, some values that you guys have, I do believe. I definitely heard myself echoing some of your sentiments and oh, – you know, but that's the thing, you know, none of us are just Democrat, Republican, Libertarian. I, you know, we, we are all, we all have our own voices. And unfortunately in New York state, we've got a two party system that forces people to think that they're either Republicans or Democrats. We only side one way. We only side the other way. So I'm asking people who are voting this election cycle to not slam the door in my face because I'm a Democrat, uh, slam the door in my face because we fundamentally disagree on everything, which I guarantee no one fundamentally disagrees with me on everything. Um, I, I believe that there's common ground, just like you said. Like the, the goal of your show is to find common ground. You and I have it. Your audience definitely has some common ground with me. We definitely probably have some differing opinions on things. But overall, if we have common ground and we do agree on the direction of taking care of people and figuring out how to do that effectively, I tell Republicans right now, give me a shot. Give me a chance for two years to do what I can for for this district. After 20 years, we deserve it. You know, Mr. Smolin and Mr. Vincent are offering kind of the same, the same things that we've heard for many, many moons, and I'm offering something new. I, I, I ask people to take the chance on someone new, and if I let them down, use that checks and balances system that we do have and just vote me out. That's all <laughs> I ask. <laughs> well, so, you know, yeah, I'll go 100%. back to working with people with disabilities. I have yeah. no problem with that. Hey, and that's the I thing. Have no you problem like going back to the, yeah. But so, that's the thing, you know. So we'll I was see. gonna say, we'll so see. There's a lot of things that we 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 didn't get to touch on because I mean, there there's so much in New York State politics we could we could discuss whether it's the gun gun issue, the New York Safe Act, or yep. or the marijuana issue. But uh, I mean, just for the sake of time, obviously, um, I did want to kind of get to the point we're wrapping up here. I, I think you you hit the nail on the head right now. Is a lot of people are in the the impression that it's it's entirely a, a two-party system it's this duopoly where it's republicans or democrats and in new york state this year um surprisingly enough in the governor race at least um we're actually seeing there's much more than than two options and and the the options beyond the the democratic and republican candidates are actually very viable and are actually making a lot of headway so right now you have uh the, the sitting governor uh king andrew cuomo he's seeking re-election there for i think it's his third or fourth term as governor um you got Mar uh, marcus Mar melanero who's basically the sacrificial lamb for the republican party running um as a gop <laughs> candidate um but then this is th where things get interesting so right now we have cynthia nixon she's running as the uh, the primary to, to andrew cuomo so we'll see how she pans out but i'm not gonna hold my breath for cynthia um, we got Howie Hawkins running on the Green Party. Um, Stephanie Miner, who she kind of came out of nowhere um, in terms of actually tossing her hat in the ring. She was former mayor of Syracuse. She did drop out, though, right? I think she did, did drop out. Did she officially? Out. I think so. I think okay. so. I'm not, don't quote me on it, but I do believe, uh, I, as far as I know, I think she's out. Okay. Well, if, and that's the case. That definitely makes things a little more interesting. But then uh, also for my libertarian listeners, um, and I had him on the show back a couple months ago, Larry Sharp, who actually just won. It was a uh, Southern tier. I forget the name of the, the, the station, but he won a, a straw poll. The poll. Um, nice. Yeah. So that was pretty exciting. So uh, Keith Urbino, you're, you're going into the 2018 gubernatorial election. Obviously, you have yourself as the Democratic nominee up there in the 118th. 
Uh, but, you know, you're sitting in the, the voting booth and you, you have yourself and your conscience and the, the lever. Who are you going to pull the lever for in, uh, in the gubernatorial race? Who am I polling for in the gubernatorial race? Yeah, in the gubernatorial race. Is it going to be uh, King Andrew Cuomo, Malinaro, Larry Sharp, Howie Hawkins, Stephanie Minor, or if she happened to make it, uh, Cynthia Nixon? Yeah, I know, I know this sounds like a cop-out, and I know this sounds so political, but quite honestly, it doesn't do anything for my district for people to know where I stand on the gubernatorial race yet because it's still <laughs> like the primaries. I'm waiting to see mm -hmm. who the people are. Um, you know, obviously, um, I want to see if Cuomo or Nixon wins. Um, I'm not sure about that. But I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm so sick of, of people running for office that are just not regular people. Like, I, I, I do believe that government needs regular people. But the problem is money and politics. The people that are running on even even Mr. Sharp. I mean, they are all of wealthy money. They have money. And, you know, it's not, not to say that people who have money don't belong in politics. I, I, I just I just unfortunately. That's all that's ever been in office for the past, like, God knows how long, before I was even born. And I think we need to try and do away with money in politics in New York State and around the country so that we can have more candidates running that appeal to the regular middle class. I mean, you know, quite honestly, I'm not impressed with really any of the governor uh candidates, the gubernatorial candidates. And I haven't been focusing on it because of that. I've been kind of disconnected because obviously I got to district that's five counties big goes all the way up to canada so I, I i'm really trying to listen to my i'm trying to listen to my constituents more than i am trying to figure out who's gonna run the state and quite honestly i want it to be something like it doesn't matter who runs the state what matters is the people that make up the state and the how many people turn out to uh elect people that want to take care of the state in the local and and the you know state positions underneath the governorship all right, Mr. Rubino, I appreciate the uh, the time to hop on my show. So as we wrap things up, where can people go ahead and find you and support their campaign if they're interested? All right, yeah. Um, quite honestly, I want to thank everybody who was listening. I hope I hope people made it to the end of this. I really do. Um, quite honestly, I was thinking about it at during in the middle of the show. I was like, man, if I had polar opposite views, I don't know if I'd still be tuning in. So whoever <laughs> did, congrats, you made it. You, you're there. We did it. Um, my website site is www.rubinoforassembly.com. I am literally looking for anyone who's interested to help fund my campaign because fun fact, uh, I've raised about $15,000 from people from all over the country and all over the state who, who believe in me, people that I've fostered connections with, but I'm looking to continue to build a grassroots movement because my two opponents are self-funding and uh, to me, uh, that is just everything that's wrong with politics in general. Um, I'd like to see more people that are supported at a grassroots level being able to run. And quite honestly, my capital, even with 15000 raised, doesn't even begin to cover the amount of money that my Republican opponents have spent because they're self-funding. And to me, I... I just think that's everything that's wrong with politics. So please help me out. Uh, visit my website, www.rubinoforassembly.com. And you can also find me on Facebook. Uh, I encourage you to follow me on Facebook because if you want to know the kind of person I am and who I am, all you got to do is look at my Facebook. You'll get a pretty good idea of who I am and if you're going to want to vote for me or not. But I guarantee you, I will not let you down. I'm going to work my hardest I can to be the best representative that the 118th district can have. And uh, I can't wait to prove it to you. So Hopefully on November 6th, you guys give me the shot to prove that.
<laughs> Keith, it was it was absolutely fantastic having you on. And so to, for behind the scenes, when I reached out to you, I, I said full full ter- transparency. I'm a libertarian. It's a libertarian podcast. That didn't phase you in the slightest. You said you know sign me up. Let's rock and roll. So <laughs> I mean, thanks for coming in. I, I mean, I, I think we had a really productive conversation. I think. You know, while we didn't agree on 100%, which is, I think, just based in, in our, our philosophies and our principles, we found a lot of areas where we had some common ground. So with that, hopefully people are able to take away from this episode that, yes, you can have fundamental disagreements with somebody who is pretty much ideologically opposite, but you can still find some some areas of agreement and you can still treat each other like, you know, human beings with, with, with kindness and respect and, and really try to take those various areas of agreement and then push that to actually make some substantive change. So with that, Keith, thank you again for, for taking the chance to, uh, I guess, really step away from a very busy campaign and join my show today. I really do appreciate the uh, the time. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, with that being said, if you enjoyed today's episode and if you're from upstate New York and you're in the 118th Assembly District, please, heck, even beyond the 118th Assembly District, share this episode with your family and friends. Please introduce uh, Keith to uh, your, your, your friends, your family. Let them know what his message is. Hey, if you agree, great. If not, try to think about why and really question your own beliefs and try to, uh, at the end of the day, make an educated decision. But uh, with that being said, if you enjoyed today's show. Oh, yeah, Brian, Brian, no, wait. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, but, but before they go, don't forget, I, even as a Democrat, the Republican and, and primary for the 118th district is on Thursday. I, like I said, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't encourage everybody to go out and vote. Um, you know, Thursday, all day is primary day. Cast your vote for the Republican of your choice. If you're a Republican, if you're a Libertarian, I'll see you in November. There you awesome. go. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was great timing because I was going to say, if you enjoyed today's episode, follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty. And uh, again, continue to sign in to uh, this this weekly show. Uh, lucky you get two shows this week, folks. Later on, I'm going to have Steve Horwitz on later this week to discuss some economics. But until, uh, until Friday, we'll talk to you then. 